is entitled, Don't Have Lunch with a Snake. Isn't that pretty? <laughs> Reading in 2 Corinthians, the second chapter, the Apostle Paul is writing. He says, if you forgive anyone, I also forgive him. Now, Paul is speaking specifically of one individual that he wrote about in his first letter to the Corinthians, a guy who was given some grief and problems, and he wrote a big, heavy rebuke to him. And apparently, the, he's, he's heard that the guy's repented, and he's saying, well, if you forgive him, then I forgive him. And he continues to say, and what I have forgiven, if there's anything to forgive, I have forgiven in the sight of Christ for your sake. Why would he do that? Why would he be quick to forgive? Why was he even dealing with all of this over one guy in the church? He says, in order that Satan may not outwit us. And he writes this verse, for we are unaware of his schemes. So here Paul is writing about one guy Who's calling problems in the church? Why would he do that? Because oftentimes it just takes one or two or three to cause problems. And the Bible tells us that as, as ministers, we're supposed to be quick to encourage and preach and teach, but also to rebuke and to challenge people and say, let's get it together. And even here, Paul is going through a great deal of energy dealing with one guy. Now, I say that because, uh, you know, I've been preaching a series of messages that are kind of tough challenging us to grow up and to be mature and not let stuff bug us and I know a lot of people have gotten the impression that we have lots of people in the church a lot of people have encouraged me and said oh man I know there's lots of people that bug you and we have you know just hang in there but uh, it's, it's a false impression we don't have lots of people here that give me or anybody else grief there's probably with all the people that we have attending celebration church uh, all over the place about 3,000 people that worship with us and are part of this congregation. Out of 3,000 people, I respond to as few as one or two comments is all it takes. Um, you know, the, one of my favorite verses in the Bible, and you don't have to pull this up, but this is in uh, uh, Proverbs, the 14th chapter, verse 4. It says this, where there is no ox, the stall is clean. In other words, if you got ox, you're going to have ox poo. That's all there is to it. And then he goes on to say, but there's great strength that comes from the ox. So what he's saying is, boy, everybody loves the benefit of the ox. Just nobody likes the poo. But you can't have one without the other. You get a bunch of people together. I promise you, you're going to have poo. (laughs) But I've got to tell you this in all sincerity from my heart. And we experienced this back as we were first doing church in Stevens Point and then came here. I got to tell you, in this congregation, in this church, and between Pastor Lathan and myself... We've got like 70 years of of ministry experience. Uh, This is the most poo-free church we have ever been a part of. It is. We laugh about it all the time. You know, I said, man, this is amazing. We don't hardly have any poo at all in in this stuff. And he says, yeah, it's it's wild. And and it's great. It's fabulous. We do not have a poo problem. Of course, you've got to have some poo. Okay, or you're all dead. Okay, it's just the reality is you have people, you're going to have messes. and this, But it's so tiny. It's less than any church I've ever been a part of in my entire life. Uh, but one of the reasons is because we deal with issues very quickly. I learned this in point. You just deal with stuff right away. Um, you, know, you ever see that game in arcades, the, the, the mole whacking game? You know, when you're sitting with a thing and these little moles pop up and you bank them on the head, bonk, pop. 
That's what I am. I'm a mole whacker. Okay? And, and when stuff pops up, I just beep, bop it on the head. You know? It's not like there's that many moles. It's just, you know, when you bop... Actually, I'm pretty good at that game. I usually score 100. But... Uh, <laughs> Competing against four-year-olds, and I'm up there. I get him, you know. But uh, <laughs> every man loves to succeed at something. But uh, you know, I'm a mole whacker. We just stuff comes up, and we just bop it on the head. And it's scriptural to bop stuff on the head when it pops up. I think one of the reasons why so many churches are so in such turmoil today, right now, as we said, I promise you, churches all across America, there's in fits, and they've got politics going on and people competing about this and mad about that and you got one group around <laughs> because pastors won't deal with stuff when it pops up they think well it'll be fine well it's not fine you know if you got a really good doctor and you got a couple of tumors that you shouldn't have they don't say well let's wait and see if they grow <laughs> you know what I'm talking about smart ones get them out right away you know, you shouldn't be having those things. Today. You don't wait until your body's completely full of tumors. And go, well, I think we might have a problem. Well, yeah, you're about to die. That's your problem. And there's not a whole lot they can do about it. Everybody runs around in panic mode and stuff. Like, Man, just deal with stuff early. Is what I say. So don't get the idea that we got all these horrible... We don't, man. This place rocks. This is fun. You guys are the easiest church in the world, man. I love it. But why would Paul deal so strongly with that? Because he writes, he says, we are aware of what Satan is up to. And the King James says like this, lest Satan should get an advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. i got to tell you that. For the last 30 years, I've often wondered, who's the we he's talking about here? Because when he says we are not ignorant of his devices, I'm a little confused because most of the Christians I know are incredibly ignorant of his devices. Because the same stupid stuff comes up all the time. It's not like he's terribly original, the devil. It's the same handful of stupidness. You know? And it just pops up in the moles. Pop, pop, you gotta bop them down. And you think people would get a clue after a while. But all across Christian churches, all across America, people just, they just don't quite get it. And I think, man, we ought to be able to say like Paul said, we are not ignorant of his devices. That's why I talk about these things. Why? So we won't be ignorant. Don't be ignorant. Now, Say, so, well, how, how do you know, how do you know what, what Satan's up to? Let's take a look at how Satan likes to work so we won't be ignorant of his schemes. Now, to get a good summary of how Satan likes to work, we need to go back to the beginning because he pretty much played his hand in the Garden of Eden. What we see there is the way he pretty much always likes to mess with people. Okay, so let's, let's look at Genesis, the third chapter, verse 1. Uh, and it says this, Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord had made. And he said to the woman, did God really say that you must not eat from any tree in the garden? Now what you see there in that one verse is Satan's three-point plan to mess with people. Number one, you've got to find a vessel to communicate your plan. Now in this particular case, the vessel that he found was this snake. Now... It wasn't really the snake so much that was behind this. It was Satan that was behind it. But he found a vessel to communicate the plan. And here's what I'm talking about. Believe it or not, the devil can use all kinds of people as the available snake... 
to advance his purposes. And we need to be careful that we don't become snakes or be able to identify people when they're being snakes. You say, well, pastor, can a good person loving Jesus be a snake? Oh, yes, they can. In fact, let me show you in Matthew, the 16th chapter. Now, let me set this up for you. Jesus has been talking to his disciples. And they've been having huge meetings and Thousands of people are following him and everybody's excited about this guy named Jesus and and by the multitudes they're coming and miracles are happening and everybody's grooving and celebrating. They're having a blast. Well, Jesus gets his disciples alone. He says, so so what are people saying? Who do they think that I am? And one one apostle says, well, you know, some say that you're John the Baptist raised from the dead. Otherwise, says, well, you're, you're Elijah, one of the Old Testament prophets coming back in the power of God. And they're telling all these different things that they're hearing. And then the Lord says to them, but who do you guys think I am? And Peter spoke up and he said, you are the Christ, the Messiah, the son of the living God. And Jesus looked at him and complimented him and praised him and said, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father. Which is in heaven. Alright. So he just praises Peter. Because he's in tune with God. He's listening to God. He's sensitive to what God's doing. He's a good man this Peter guy. Alright. Now. The very next verse. Check this out. From that time. Jesus began to explain to his disciples. That he must go to Jerusalem. And suffer many things at the hands of the elders. Chief priests and teachers of the law. And that he must be killed. And on the third day be raised to life. Again, as you read the Gospels, it is stunning. You've heard me talk about this before. But they go to Jerusalem. Jesus gets arrested. They freak. He gets crucified. Ah! He raises from the dead. Holy cow. I mean, he told them this was going to happen. Right? Over and over again, he told them in black and white, this is what's... And when it happened, they went, huh? Just zzz. I don't know. Strange guys. I don't know. Anyway, so um, he's talking about what's going to happen. Well, then it says, Peter took Jesus aside and begins to rebuke him. This is the same Peter who he just read, who he said, man, God has showed you that I'm the Messiah. You are blessed. The same Peter takes him aside and says, never, Lord. This shall never happen to you. And Jesus turns to Peter and he says this to him. Get Behind me, Satan. Ouch. All of a sudden, you're the devil? Get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the things of God, but the things of men. How in the world do you go from, wow, you're really something God shows you, and all of a sudden, the devil's talking through you? How is that possible? Because oftentimes, we listen to thoughts that are inspired by God, and then times thoughts that are inspired by Satan and we're not mature enough to discern the difference between the two and we become a mouthpiece at times for God as we should but sometimes we're being a mouthpiece for causing trouble like Peter just did you can be a wonderful blessed holy man of God like Peter and still if you're not sharp if you're not paying attention the devil can use you to become the available snake at the time To be spitting out stuff that discourages people instead of lifting them up and encouraging them. So when I say some people are snakes, I'm not saying that you're evil. It's just that 
were being a, the vessel, the snake, as it were, in the garden for the devil to talk to. But keep in mind, there are consequences for being the devil's mouthpiece. We'll talk about that in a little bit. But we're not talking, by the way, of demon possession here. I, for one, do not believe that a born-again, spirit-filled child of God can be possessed of the devil. Now, there are people who disagree with me, but they're possessed of the devil. <laughs> no, I'm just teasing. Uh, <laughs> they don't agree with me, so what? Get in line, you know, so we don't all agree. Whoa, you know, who cares? But I just, I don't think, if you think differently, then knock yourself out. But I just, I just, I just don't think it's possible. I look at the Bible, this is no way. Uh, but having said that, Peter wasn't possessed of the devil. He wasn't foaming at the mouth. He wasn't being thrown around uncontrollably. He was just being him. And while you don't have to be possessed of the devil, the devil can still use you if you're not being sharp and you get caught into being the available snake in the situation. Number one, the devil looks for a vessel. There's the snake. Number two, he gets the snake, the vessel, to question. And it's okay to question. Trust me, I have no problem with questions. Come with all the questions you got. The important thing is to go to the right person who can ask the questions. But there's a way of questioning things that's really not about getting answers. It's just about tearing things down, about questioning. And he says this, the servant gets, the devil gets the servant to say this, did God really say? Why are things like this? The pastor was driving in his car the other day. I waved at him. He didn't wave back. Why is that? Because he's an idiot. He doesn't watch where he's going. That's why. Who cares? You wave at me in a car and I don't see you, man. I'm just, I am on autopilot all the time. I cannot tell you how often I end up in a certain part of town I had no intention of being in at all. You know, it's, it's horrible. It's just because I'm an honor. I'm thinking about other stuff. You know, if I ever do, God forbid, start to lose my mind, I, I'm not sure anyone will be able to tell. <laughs> be, be, you know what I'm saying? There's, there's people that they start to lose their mind. It's real obvious. Oh my gosh, he's with a pastor. How could you tell? He's been this way for 40 years, you know. <laughs> but why is that? Why is that? What? Why is there so so much smoke and haze at the beginning of the church service? Why is that? That's that's because we give the people who smoke in our church a ministry. <laughs> and and they, they, they're in the back, but no, it's not smoke. It's, it's just haze. Water based haze. Why do we do it? I just think it looks cool, that's all. But why? Why? Why is it this way? Why are things that way? Well, how come they did this? Have you noticed that they did that? And that's that's where it starts. It's a question. Why? Pastor passes out. Why? Why are things the way they are? Why does he do? Why does he go up there and go? Why? So this is a questioning, but in a negative, snotty little snake kind of way. Why is that? And then number three. 
exaggerate the possibility. Why is it this way? I'll tell you why. Because he's a big fat stinking jerk. Or because he doesn't care about people. Or, or what? Look what the, what, what the snake says. She, he says to, to Eve, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? Now what did he do? He just exaggerated. Did God say they couldn't eat from any tree? No, he said you can eat from all of the trees. Go out there and knock yourself out. You can eat from all these fabulous trees except for one. But then he likes to exaggerate. Why? You can't touch any tree? Loves to exaggerate. Here's the formula. Find a vessel and it could be you. Find a vessel, get them to question why and then exaggerate vessel question exaggerate vessel question exaggerate that's how this whole thing works and it causes trouble and we need to be aware and you need number one make sure you're not being the snake and listen I think unless you're really really different most people here at one time or another have done this I've done it I've been the snake questioning and saying things and stuff like that and not even aware what I'm doing the devil's in there laughing his butt off It's amazing he has a butt at all. Don't don't get caught in that. And then when you hear it, have enough discernment to catch it right away. Catch it right away. I'm just so proud of one of the ladies in the church. She said she just, uh, this last week was in the mall and met a lady who uh, was talking about our church. And she said, you know, I, I, I don't like that Pastor Mark. Which, believe it or not, there's people who don't like me. What's not to like, right? I mean, it's amazing. It's amazing it happens. But it's... And she's in the motion. I don't like that, Pastor Mark. And she says, and I'll tell you why. And the lady said, that's okay. I don't want to know. And the lady went. <laughs> and got all flustered and left. God bless her. That was great. I don't want to know your why. Because they get you upset. You know? You're walking around happy as can be in the church. You're at peace. And then someone says, why? And I'll say, I don't know why. I never thought, maybe there is something wrong. <laughs> and then you're all upset. And you know what's crazy? Is the people who are originally upset, when they talk to people, the next level is always more mad than the first one. I don't know if you've ever noticed that, but it's absolutely fascinating. You can go, they just get in a lather. <laughs> because the exaggeration gets bigger, is what happens. And you go to, and they're just freaked out. And then you go to the original person, and they go, well, I'm really not that upset about it. Well, they cause all this trouble, getting people all, all frazzled. Have you noticed? Have you noticed? Have you noticed they're changing things in the youth department at Celebration Church? Why is that? Is it because the pastor doesn't care about our young people? See, there's the exaggeration. Yeah, there's the exaggeration. ooh. Did you notice Pastor Ross didn't lead that song? Why is that? Is there something wrong with Pastor Ross? Yeah, he's my son-in-law, but I can't do anything about that. But, you know, that's... (laughs) By the way, we are changing things in the youth department. So you people don't freak out when you start hearing about Why is that? I'll tell you why that is. Because it's time that we start adjusting this program so we're more effective in long-term discipling of these young people. 
I get it that we have the coolest, hippest youth program in town and have for 15 years and everybody loves and thinks it's so great, but I'm telling you what, the fruit that comes out long-term out of this program is disappointing to me. We've got young men and women that are out there partying and having sex with everybody under the sun. They can't even remember how many people they had sex with. We're not talking pagans, we're talking kids who went through our program here. We just had a funeral last year. Somebody coming through our program, out partying late at night, drunk as a skunk, gets themselves killed. We had a funeral and it was sad and it was heartbreaking. But again, we're not talking people downtown. We're talking people who came through our youth group. And it's not just our youth group. I don't know what the percentage is, but nationwide, there is this alarm in evangelical churches. 80%, they're saying, of the young teens in our teen programs by their second year in college, have completely forsaken their faith in Jesus Christ. 80%! Why? Because we've had this model that we've used for the last 20 years at least, probably further than that, that the whole idea of youth ministry is get one real charismatic guy back there and all the kids connect with him and they play all the games. But it's not working. It's not working, so we're, gonna, we're not going to mess with it entirely. We're still going to keep our 180 thing on Wednesday nights and stuff like that. But instead of just all built around Pastor Ross or some other guy to come in and take his place, we're going to get a mentoring situation where we have lots of different people in the church come and speak to them. Some of you, some of those of you who are not being fed, need to go back there and feed them. Lori orchestrates a program back there. Don't be surprised if she comes to you and says, Hey man, I want you to, would you come speak to our young people? They need to hear people who've gone through life. You know, you turn on TV, you know who the idiots are on TV? It's the older people. And it's the young, cool, hip kids that are smart. And the older ones are stupid. They're completely upside down on this. We need the wisdom of people who've actually lived life, have trusted God, have seen miracles in their life, and go back and speak into the lives of these young people. Say, so, well, maybe that won't be quite as... maybe that won't be quite as entertaining I don't care it's not so much about entertaining we need to train and discipline these young people they're young men and women so they get God in them so that when they leave this place they have a clue and again we don't hear very many comments just a few here's here's the one over the last few months have you noticed there's so many infants in the service and little children? Why is that? Is it because our children's department isn't being respected anymore? They're not doing a good job. See, there's exaggeration. That's, that's when you know they're a snake, man. Just... No. This church is growing. There's all kinds of new people that are coming to the church. Somebody walks into church for the first time. They don't need someone running up to them and saying, Can I have your baby? <laughs> Let me take your baby! And I'll freak the willies out of them for crying out loud. <laughs> They're walking in the door thinking we're a cult in the first place. It's amazing they even walked in here. All I need is someone coming. Can I have your baby, please? I want to take your baby and your little children. <laughs> so we'll have lots of those. Great. Fabulous. It doesn't bother me. I see little faces all over the place here. And a lot of them 
you know, it, you know, obviously if they start making a lot of noise, you know, be nice. Take them back there. You can listen back there and the TV's on and you can hear what we're saying and stuff back here. But it doesn't freak me out. Do we have a wonderful nursery? Yes, we do. And when they get comfortable, I can't even say it, enough, then they can plug them in. And we have a fabulous program for kids. You know, great, where the church is on their level and they deal with issues in ways they understand it. It's a fabulous program. It's great. And most of them are down there. But so what if not everybody's in there? Don't be going around saying, why is that? Well, obviously, there's something wrong with our program. Nothing wrong with our program. Just chill out. Have you noticed? Why? Because. Have you noticed? Why? It's because. Have you noticed? Why? It's because. Snakes. When I say don't have lunch with a snake, I'm saying don't engage with people who get you to ask questions you weren't asking in the first place. Are you hearing me? They come, you know what I'm talking about. Someone comes up and they start asking you something. And I'm saying, oh, I didn't know that. I guess I never realized. Oh, what, why is that? Man, they get you upset. Don't, don't be listening to them. They get you upset with all their exaggerations. If you have questions, I have no problem with that. Just come to the people who have the answers. If you got a problem with the ushers, go talk to the ushers. You know, did you notice the ushers didn't know what they were doing? They were all confused. Why is that? Are they back there drinking the wine? <laughs> yeah, they're back there getting slammed before the service. Hey, how you doing, man? Good to see you. Huh? <laughs> if you notice they don't know what's going on, then you should volunteer and go back there and help out. Amen. Amen. Why is that? Come and ask us. We'll tell you. You probably don't want to come ask me. Just because I don't know. If you ask me questions, most of you see this blank stare on the face. I don't know. Ask people who know. Ask Pastor Lathan. Go to the different people, the different departments. If you've got a question about the children's department, go ask Pastor Keith. Hey, what's the deal with this? And just get the answers. Don't be this asking and at with each other. So I'm telling you that you'll be a snake. You'll be a vessel the devil is using just to cause trouble and freak people out. Know this. People who ask negative questions and exaggerate. And what we're doing is we're exaggerating our fears. We have these fears and concerns. You know, Pastor Mark, you know, he walked by me and he didn't shake my hand. Why is that? Well, because he hates me. He doesn't like me. He hates me. He hates me. If you think I hate you, come and ask me. I'll tell you. (laughs) I don't hate anybody. Why did I walk past you? I don't know. I'm spacing out. I mean, don't... Your fears and insecurities exaggerate everything. But make no mistake, people who are doing that, asking questions, getting you to ask questions you weren't asking in the first place, prying and making you miserable, are being used. They think they're being used of God. Peter thought he was being used of God. Man, he just said, thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Peter, got Jesus praises him. Man, I'm a man of God. I'm the happening man. And Jesus talked about being crucified. I'm going to walk in the spirit here. Don't you dare talk about that, Jesus. And Jesus says, shut up, Satan. Be careful. Don't be stirring up and causing trouble in people. Freaking them out. Let me end with this little few verses in in Proverbs. The sixth chapter of Proverbs. It's it's a fascinating verse of scripture. It says this. It says, there are six things the Lord hates. Seven that absolutely fry him off. Okay? 
detestable. It just ticks him off. And then we're going to see what these six, and then what that seventh one is. Here they are. Number one, haughty eyes, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked schemes, feet that are quick to rush into evil, a false witness who pours out lies, and the seventh one that just torques him off. A man who stirs up dissension among brothers. We should be walking together in unity and in fellowship and togetherness. Don't let people come and stir up dissension in you. Some of them, again, wonderful men of God, wonderful women of God who have been a vessel for the enemy just to getting you to ask questions and question and double check and then you're evaluating, just freaking you out, causing dissension in the church. Number one, don't let the devil use you to do that. Number two, when you see a snake like that, don't sit and have lunch with him. I'd rather not know why. Have a great day and move on. Let's walk in love and let's not let the enemy cause dissension. Let's continue to grow as a church where we actually love each other or actually care about each other. I mean, this is a fabulous church. I look around you guys and I'm just, I'm so blessed. I mean, there's people all different colors, all different ages, all different, you know, some of you look respectable with ties and suits on and some of you are covered in tattoos. <laughs> I don't know, maybe you came to church on a Harley. I don't care, you know. And it's great and it's cool and nobody cares. And we still love each other. Man, let's be that kind of a church. And when somebody says, why is that? Just say, I don't know, I don't know, I don't want to know why. And walk away. I'm going to ask the ushers to come at this time. And the uh, musicians to come back. A man who serves up dissension among brothers. And trust me when I say this. The devil, the one, he's not all that original. He has used this formula since the beginning. And he'll use it till the day he finally gets thrown into the lake of fire forever. It works. It worked then. It's worked for thousands of years. It's working today. It'll work again tomorrow. But what we need to do is get to the place where we can say, as Paul said, you know, we are not ignorant of his schemes. We are not ignorant of his devices. We are aware. The Bible says, be on your guard. Satan roams around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour be on your guard the normal reality is these things will pop up again and again and again if I preach about it every Sunday till we're all really old people it'll still pop up and I'm not going to preach about it every Sunday so don't worry but but let's be smart let's be aware as mature believers in Christ catch that thing no 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 we're not going there. All right, we're about to take communion. Why do we do this? This is what Christianity is all about. Identifying with the Lamb of God who took away the sins of the world. The death of Jesus Christ on that cross. His body broken so we could be whole. His blood shed so we could have forgiveness of our sins. And the one question we always need to ask ourselves as I preached the other week. Am I living identified with that crucifixion? Am I living crucified with Christ? Have I died to myself? Have I died to my selfishness? One of the things is when you start letting all these kind of things upset you, you're not 
walking dead to self. But every time we take communion, every time you need to ask yourself, am I identifying with this? Am I walking identified with the cross of Christ? Am I dying to myself and am I letting his life live in me? And if you're here this morning, maybe your first time visitor, maybe, uh, maybe you've been here for years and just have never really surrendered your heart to God. But if you're here this morning and you're saying, you know, I need to do this. I need to get right. I need to make my step towards God. I need to ask for his forgiveness in my life. We're going to pray a prayer together. And if you'll pray this prayer with us, you can experience God's forgiveness in your life this morning. Let's bow our heads together in a word of prayer. If you're willing to turn away from what you know is wrong in your life and put your faith in Jesus, you can begin your life of faith this morning. Let's pray this together. Dear Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God. That you loved me so much, you went to the cross and took my punishment. I ask you to come into my heart and forgive me of my sins. I now surrender my life to you. Amen.